Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Welcome back. <laughs> Just a couple of chats here, a couple of holiday chats, uh, yeah. welcoming you back to the podcast. Where's my hug? <laughs> hey, shorty. <laughs> Um, Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrated. Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa to everyone who celebrated. We are in that weird floaty in-between week between Christmas and New Year's. We're like, we don't know what day it is. Some of us are still at our parents' house. We've only been eating like cookies and frosting for like 72 straight hours. It's a weird time. Yeah. Being in limbo sucks. It's like you think I'd be happy for the downtime, but I just feel like very strange and floaty. Yeah, for sure. Good thing we have this podcast to keep some kind of structure in our lives. Keep us very busy, so it's okay. And you all out there, feel free to use this as your weekly structure as well. <laughs> right. My name is Jazz Apatos, and... On New Year's Eve, heading into the year 2000, I remember thinking like that as soon as the clock struck midnight into the new millennium, that there was a chance we were all going to get magically transformed into robots. Cool. I like that interpretation much better. I just sat on my couch and worried that a plane was going to hit me. Oh, my God. Yeah, because <laughs> planes were like supposed to fall out of the sky. Right. Everything was supposed to blow up. And Didn't happen. Did not happen. In fact, nothing happened. My name is Dan Levine, and when I was a kid, I asked my dad, who is Jewish, wanted to know a little bit more about Judaism, I guess, but it's like, what's Yom Kippur? And he was like telling me, it's like, it's when the Jews ask for forgiveness, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, uh, right, okay, so, and then Santa comes, and <laughs> he, had, he just had no idea, and he's like, yeah. That's just what you thought it was. Jews ask for forgiveness, then Santa comes. Santa comes. He's like, all right, well, <laughs> since you said you're sorry. <laughs> You look pretty sorry. Give me your flat yeastless cookies. Yes. I love those flat yeastless cookies. <laughs> it's a joke for my Jews out there. Where are my Jews at? Cool. Well, we are, as we said, between Christmas and New Year's. So what better movie to review this week than The Holiday? It's weird because like the whole movie, you know, it doesn't necessarily come across like Christmas is a big part of it. I didn't notice until this watch that like we don't even witness Christmas Day. At no. all. Christmas Day no, is don't. not in the film. Which is perfect for us because we're we're all Christmased out. So That's right. Been there. We've done it. We're over it. Christmas is tired, dog. This is a beloved film of mine. Dan, had you ever seen this before? I had never seen this before. And it was strange to see the cast list. Jack Black and Kate Winslet and then Cameron Diaz and Jude Law. Like, how did I miss this? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy that you did, but glad that you're here with us now. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad too. Good. I'm glad you're glad. I still have no idea how you feel about this movie, which is very, it's a very weird place to be. Like normally at this point in the podcast, like I've gotten a good I sense because either you're like, man, I love this movie. This movie just rocks or you're like furious. I mean, I think that that probably speaks volumes about the way I feel about this movie. <laughs> nothing. You feel nothing. I liked it. Oh. I certainly I liked a lot of parts of it. Yes, it went on way too long, though. I did. It did feel a little long for me on this watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like by ni minute ninety, not only like am I done, but I also know what's going to happen. So it was kind of like, yeah. uh, all right, get to it. But that doesn't mean I didn't like it. I thought it was really cute. Good. Okay. Cool. So we yeah. won't be like. So we've been pretty polarized lately. I know. So it's nice to be back on the same page. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I missed you. All right. Nice to do. <laughs> 
Shall we set the scene? Yes. Two women, one from America and one from Britain, swap homes at Christmas time after bad breakups with their boyfriends. Mm, inaccurate. Each woman <laughs> finds romance with a local man, but realizes that the imminent return home may end the relationship. That's such a, I mean, I guess that's like such a simplification of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that does sum it up. I guess. Anyway, cast and crew, obviously written and directed by Nancy Myers, queen of the chick flick. For sure. She first broke with convention by co-scripting Private Benjamin in 1980. During the course of her career, she collaborated with her ex-husband on many films, Charles Shire, on films including Father of the Bride, The Parent Trap, which we've talked about in the past, What Women Want, Something's Gotta Give, It's Complicated. She is definitely the old school rom-com bitch to beat. She is. I've never seen Something's Gotta Give, actually. I feel like I have. I feel like every movie title from the 90s sounded like that, which is why I feel like I'm not sure right now. Yes. It was like, Something's Gotta Give, This and Them, What Do You Know? Like, it was just like always like- (laughs) We're still doing it. It's like, this is us. We're still doing (laughs) the same thing. Just a lot of real vague- nothing titles yeah right but she knows how to write characters and scenes really really well she does i gotta say we care about most of these characters yeah i feel complicated about that but we'll get into that it's complicated it another is complicated. film by nancy meyer 2009 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we uh to my Lou into the cast here, we've got Amanda, the movie trailer maker in LA, fancy woman played by Cameron Diaz, who we just chatted all about in my best friend's wedding. Go listen to that episode. Dan is so mad. Yeah, I'm still kind of mad at her. We know her from The Masks. There's something about Mary, the sweetest thing, Charlie's Angels, blah, blah, blah. She has big teeth and a great big mouth. <laughs> Go on, Dan. <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> Um, I just talked she, so much about her like three weeks ago. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I, I actually think that that summed it up. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. Oh, good. Um, why are you doing that blowjob gesture with your hand? <laughs> this is why we need to release the full video so people know I'm not doing the blowjob gesture. <laughs> Pay us. <laughs> we love money. Um, so Cameron Diaz credits this as being the most like physically trying of all the movies that she's done. What? Because she's like, she's running Because she all ran the all the time. Apparently, she runs for one scene. In high heels. And it, apparently one scene took like, it was, it was either four days or a week to film. Scoomy. Pretty like exhausting, I guess. I think Nancy Myers has a kind of a, a reputation for doing scenes over and over and over again. And it really gets to actors and especially Ah. when you're running like the snow is real in those scenes so it's freezing yeah Uh, she is wearing heels heels. they really milked those running scenes they did really milked them milked them dry (laughs) milked them real real dry (laughs) why are you doing that thing with your hand (laughs) (laughs) Um, has a milking a cow gesture with sound effect right it was great for me. I was <laughs> just looking at it. It was Where really funny. Where my farm is at. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Nancy Myers compared Cameron Diaz's performance to like Goldie Hawn and saying uh, about her like physical comedy. She said, it's really hard, I think, to be that cute and sexy and that funny and that sort of girl friendly. She seemed absolutely the right choice for a California girl. Let me tell you what. It is hard. Speaking from experience, <laughs> super hard to be yeah, this cute like? and this funny. Ooh, it is a heavy as the head. <laughs> That's all I can say. 
Um, speaking of royalty, let's go over to our character Graham, played by Jude Law, British actor, son of drama teachers. Started on the stage in England. Got some prominent film roles under his belt. Gattaca, which is a great movie. We should do that movie. I love that movie. I'll definitely do that movie. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Alfie. Closer. Oof, really good. Has done a ton of theater. Was uh, the Watson to Robert Downey Jr.'s Holmes in Sherlock Holmes. And then we also have seen him in HBO's uh, The Young Pope, followed by the series The New Pope. He just has done a ton. He's a great actor. He's dreamy as all get out. Those eyes, holy bajoli. Yeah, and he's so tan. He's like red in this. Why is he so tan as a British person in England in the winter? You're right. He's like, he's like not. He's like red. He is. It's like magenta, but he's so handsome. It's crazy. God, he's dreamy. Dreamy, dreamy. It's almost like distracting how han- like he he can only play someone who is distractingly handsome. Yeah. Because if you're not talking about it, then it's a clear omission. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. It should be the first and only thing. So he has a daughter named Iris, by the way, and Kate Winslet's name is Iris in the movie. They named Aww. it after his daughter, uh, the character. It's very cute. And he he said his favorite part of making this was just working with the two young actresses, his daughter. They might be the cutest two girls I've ever seen. Holy shit. They're They're so charming. This is the thing about British children is they're all like tiny adults. Yeah. So prim and proper. Oh, my God. They're freaking delicious. Made me have some tingles in my ovaries. Yeah. You had some uh, urges (laughs) to procreate. Only if they're British. (laughs) Right. You can make that happen. Send them away to boarding school. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Super on par for me. And then you can't even experience them either. Then they're at boarding school. Come back at age six when they're like, hello, (laughs) mommy. (laughs) Hours of entertainment. Anyway, speaking of Iris, uh, we have Iris, Graham's sister, played by Kate Winslet, goddess of the screen. Ever since making an impressive debut in Heavenly Creatures in 1994, she amassed a resume full of exquisite performances. By the time she was only 22, broke the record for being the youngest actress to have received two Academy Award nominations, the first for Sense and Sensibility and the second in Titanic. She's just been in so many Hollywood blockbusters. She's an incredible, incredible actress. We've seen her in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Reader. And also Revolutionary Road. I, I'm just totally obsessed with and then her. More recently, Mayor of Easttown. People are obsessed with her. Yeah. I, it's weird because this, this role, I couldn't stop thinking. I was like, this is not for her. It's interesting because I feel like there's a line in this that yes. literally like sums it up where... The old guy says to her, like, in Hollywood, there are the leading women and the best friend. Those are the two types of roles for women. You're clearly a leading woman playing the best friend. And it's so true in this movie and for this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. And I think that she did an unbelievable job like she always does. But I just couldn't. uh, I had a hard time believing. Well, no, I I didn't. I did believe it. I just it was kind of distracting. I was like, you're Kate Winslet. Yeah. Yeah. You're not this. Look. Really phenomenal women can be crushed, you know, and same with men. You know what I mean? Like some people just don't know how great they are because other people treat them like shit. And God damn, amen. This was like a good turnaround story 
Nancy Myers wrote this for Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and Jack Black. Like, doesn't that weird you out? That's the people that she was thinking for this movie? And just got him. And got him? She gets what she wants. Moving on, we have the role of Miles, played by Jack Black, with his larger-than-life personality and mischievous eye twinkle, Jack Black turned himself into one of Hollywood's go-to comedic actors. Uh, in the mid-90s, he partnered with fellow co-cast to form the musical comedy duo Tenacious D, playing gigs everywhere. They eventually ended up with a television deal uh, for Tenacious D, and then it got turned into a movie called Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. On a side note, friend of the pod tom mcgovern you may remember from our episode on top gun he is in a comedy band called wolves of glendale and they are opening for tenacious d on new year's eve in las vegas this year that's the coolest thing i've ever so heard bravo tom you're fucking crushing it buddy keep yeah, good on you bud getting after it and if anyone out there has an opportunity to go see wolves of glendale i got to see them live in new york and they fucking rock so get into it other than that we you know we've seen them in high fidelity we've seen them in shallow hal orange county we've seen them of course in school of rock kung fu panda nacho libre jumanji it just he's all over the place and i love that man i do love jack black i any any of my criticisms about jack black are only about this character because i love jack black but Kate Winslet said, like, it was not hard to, like, it was so easy to fall in love with him when they were on set. Of a lot course. of it, or, I don't know. He's got so much charm and just like confidence and, but not like cockiness. It's just like he has the type of thing where I feel like he probably makes everyone around him feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like he makes you feel good about yourself. He's got that really good quality where he can. It happens in a lot of the movies. Like in Shallow Hal, it does really well. He becomes genuine. Like he could just turn it on with a flick of a switch and it's so believable. You know, he just like looks at Kate Winslet and he tells her like that she's really beautiful and it really is kind of arresting. He's not physically the leading man type we're used to seeing, but he has leading man energy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he didn't want to do this, a rom-com, but then he found out he would be acting alongside Kate Winslet and of course he was like yes I mean yeah doy. yeah of course you'd have to be a total dum-dum and last but certainly not least the role of our sweet old man Arthur Abbott played by Eli Wallach who's just had a tremendous career I mean he was born in 1915 he was all over American film television and stage he had his Broadway debut in 1945 and he had a 65-year spanning career with over 90 film credits. Just insane. He, okay, anybody who has any kind of theater background will appreciate this. He studied method acting under Sanford Meisner and later became a founding member of the Actors Studio where he studied under Lee Strasberg, who are like the creators of all acting technique. Like these are the people who you still study their techniques in, in theater school today. And he was like, there's it's like being like he studied wow. uh philosophy from plato like right it's like what i said for all the normal people out there he um, studied christianity under jesus thank you correct <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's been in a bajillion films over the years and um if you have a chance go look him up just to see what he looked like as a young man because it is Wow, crazy. I mean, he was 90 when it filmed and Myers 
found him so like he was so energetic and anim- animated that they had to like remind him that he's supposed to be like an old person in the movie. Right. It's like you need to tone it down. You need to act your age. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, in between takes, he would talk to people as well, like in the exact same role as Arthur, who where he would be like, you know, did I ever tell you about that time with, you know, Nancy or like Marilyn Monroe? And so he was like really right. like that. He like is his character. Oh, he's so, cool. so freaking endearing. I love it so much. Yeah, I love him. Be my grandpa. Okay. So <laughs> speaking of somebody else, I'd like to be my grandpa. <laughs> Let's hop into the reviews. <laughs> Except for the go. fact that Roger Ebert did not review this movie. What? There is no review. Should we cancel this episode? Let's just stop now. This is what, why this people is the, listen. What's the point? Shocking. Yeah. Shocking to me. So I've compiled a few good ones, but I was just like, and I double checked. I was like, was he dead by then? No, he was not dead by then. You're just being lazy, I guess. I just, I don't understand it. And I apologize <laughs> sincerely to our audience today. Our bad. Yeah. Sorry. Roger really <laughs> let us down this week. Uh, let's not make a habit out of it. Somebody who did review this movie is Richard Roper from the Chicago Sun-Times who writes, the surprises would be surprises in this movie only if this is like your fourth movie ever. (laughs) Fair. Very fair. (laughs) That's good. Yep. And then, okay, I went a little little hog wild in the Amazon. Bring it on. Yeah, we've got a, a mix of good and bad, but... Man, just had to, just had to, in the absence of Roger Ebert, I feel like I had to fill it in with some just fucking- Like seven Amazon users make up one Roger Ebert. (laughs) Basically. Okay, here's the first review. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't even, all right. You need a second? I can't, I'm hyping it up too much, but the first line just gets me. <laughs> Do you like chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that moment even before you put it in your mouth? You can, ima- <laughs> you can imagine that taste. You can feel that rich sweetness on your tongue. The s- what are we talking about? <laughs> I assure you, this is this is a review for the holiday. Okay. The smoothness going around your mouth. <laughs> the holiday is a romantic comedy, and you know what that means. And if you don't like romantic comedies, don't go and see it. The holiday is a warm, snuggly romance to lose yourself in before coming firmly back down to planet Earth. It might be shallow, but it's seasonal entertainment and a Swiss chocolate of romantic comedies. I hated it. (laughs) Do you like chocolate? (laughs) (laughs) Now that I have your attention. (laughs) Watch the holiday. Um, Heading straight into this review that starts with, pretty sure this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, I really like Cameron Diaz, but in this flick, she's such an obnoxious show off. I want to vomit. I've had a stomach flu since I rented this crap, and I'm positive it's because of how awful I felt after watching this movie. I'm a worse person for watching this. I'm getting a stomach ache just writing this review, and bile is filling up in my mouth. I want my money back. Wow. I mean, I don't think it's... It doesn't seem like this is a very polarizing movie. Like Clearly, 
It is. It really what, was. What was Cameron Diaz doing to that person? Like obnoxiously what? Making them sick. Truly making them sick. But wow. you know how like when you eat something, like even if you really like it and then you end up getting food poisoning from it, you're like never eating that again. Yep. I did that Maybe with uh, that tofu soup you get at Japanese restaurants. Miso? Miso. Yeah. I got. I had some miso <laughs> when I was in high school and then I drank a bazillion vodkas and then- Oh, God. Ugh. You're just throwing Couldn't... up miso? Yeah, and then I couldn't have miso for like years. Yeah, now I'm back so on. I love it. This is their miso soup. <laughs> right. Holiday. Uh, and then lastly, how is it three talented actors? Who's the, who's the fourth? <laughs> yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> how is it three talented actors could agree to make such an insultingly cliched, deadly boring, and blatantly ripped off version of Bridget Jones' diary? These four now it's for the director and writer should be lined up and pimp smacked for wasting the time and money of their audiences amazon do your customers a favor and just remove this festering turd of a film you'll save untold hours of lives wasted with every second saved from giving this pile a chance did amazon end up doing it did they listen no it's not not available anymore it, thanks to uh i had to well no, what did I? You know, yeah, I rented it. I rented it from Amazon. No, me too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just figured it's like, oh, pin well, four twenties uh, talking shit. Now there's a paywall, so maybe they're just like, you have to really want to watch this. You have to be invested. <laughs> That's right. You need to invest in the film. I like twenty percent understand what they're saying there sure yes it is like the type of movie where like you see these types of movies all the time and you never expect to see like kate winslet's name in the yeah you know what i mean like like katherine heigl needed to make this movie or something like that right it's like nancy myers had blackmail on each of those actors and she was like on one condition she's like do you remember that time when i kicked in the door to the stall and i saw you putting your tampon in in high school <laughs> If you don't know what Dan's talking about, <laughs> go back and listen to our Thanksgiving episode. Jazz and Dan make a movie, The Three Day Nap. Most embarrassing moment ever. But uh, it had to have been darker than that. And she's like, you'll be free <laughs> if you star in my holiday romp. Yeah, I'll tell everyone you drink adrenochrome from kids or whatever. Romp comp. Romp comp. Holiday romp comp. <laughs> do you have any fun facts before I dive into the plot? Yeah, I do. I have one fun fact. Uh, the Wombats, if you can remember that band. I sure do. I was born a unicorn. Oh, so you get it. So they their hit song, Kill the Director, was about the holiday. So they they thought they were going to go see a, like a Bridget Jones style <laughs> rom-com and instead it like hated it. And the lyrics are, if this is a rom-com, kill the director. And then there's, this is no Bridget Jones. So they did not like it either. Maybe they're one of the reviewers interesting i mean what is so bridget jones about it the fact that there is a, a a british woman who has like a lousy love life who then like finds love like i don't it's really not Maybe it came out just kind of very soon after so it just seemed like yeah. ants in a bug's life <laughs> right what was the other one <laughs> the prestige and the illusionist was another one <laughs> yeah nice all right shall we run and heels through the snow into the plot. Ooh, I don't want to, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> For four days. <laughs> All right. We open on a couple making out by a river, but we zoom out and it's actually Jack Black scoring a scene in a movie. The score in this movie really gave me goosebumps like so many times. 
It's Hans Zimmer. He's the man. Yeah, really good. And we have Kate Winslet's voiceover begins, who says, I found almost everything written about love to be true. We see him kiss his actress girlfriend's hand as she heads out the door, played by Shannon Sossamon, who we know from A Night's Tale, 40 Days and 40 Nights. She was like an it girl of the early 2000s and then kind of... I was really surprised to see her have like essentially a non-speaking role. Whatever happened to her? She was pretty great. I looked up and read an entire article about what happened to her. And I got to be honest, it bugged the shit out of me. Like, Really? What happened? First of all, she was discovered DJing Gwyneth Paltrow's birthday party. What? Oh, she's so cool. But like all the quotes from her were so nonchalant that it really pissed me off. Like... You worked along Heath Ledger twice. She just was like, I think overall, basically what happened is she was like rising to the top very quickly. And then from what I gather, got pregnant and then like had her son named him Audio Science. No. Swear. Whoa. And then started working in a record store and just kind of like focused elsewhere. She's still acting. Like she still does a lot of indie stuff. She still does. She's done a lot of horror stuff. But like she was just quoted being like, yeah, I don't know. It just was like never that big of a deal to me. Like kind of thing. I was like, okay. So you burn your bridges on the way out. Like, well, I never thought acting was like a real thing. She's like, I wasn't sure if I was ever really passionate about it. No, that's fair. I mean, good for her. Good for her. Although she's a bitch in this film. Jerk, yeah. She's a trifling actress. But what is she doing with Jack Black? I love the guy, but like that, he should have <laughs> saw that coming. There are a lot of reviews like that that are like, how are we supposed to believe there's any real chemistry between Jack Black and Kate Winslet? I'm like, come on, people. Yeah. Give the guy a chance. He is the perfect example of somebody who will laugh you into bed. Yeah, sure. Funny guys can get women into bed. I don't care what you say. They can get other men into bed too. That's definitely true. It's just, I guess maybe it's one of those things where I don't think that Kate Winslet would get laughed into bed. But Iris would, I think. Mm. I don't think Kate Winslet would, but I think I think Iris so as would. well. She's been like beaten down so yeah. hard. This is like the first guy who's been nice to her in like three years. Yeah. Oof. So we have Kate Winslet's narration as we are sort of going over all of these people and couples in their in their lives. For some, love inexplicably fades. And we see Cameron Diaz and her boyfriend sort of looking at each other like they're lost their boners, basically. Hating each other. Yeah. For some, love is lost. We cut to old man Arthur looking at his wife's wedding picture. Oh. And for some, love is found, even if just for the night. Cut to Jude Law getting checked out by a cute girl at a bar. Finally, we get to Kate Winslet in her office, or Iris, uh, and she says, for some, it's the worst kind of love that almost kills its victims, unrequited love. Of that, I am an expert. Most stories are about people who fall in love with each other, but what about those of us who have fallen in love alone? Oof. It's good writing. It is great. I just, it's weird because like, it's great writing. I don't buy into that at all. There's so much writing about unrequited love. It's like maybe the most popular you think? But it, yeah, but usually so if there's much. a story that starts with unrequited love, it ends up with them being in love with somebody else. Right, but she doesn't know what her ending is going to be like. It's true. She doesn't. And this poor woman like writes the engagement and marriage column at this paper. And so she's and she's been hopelessly in love with her coworker Jasper for 3 years. They were together, but he cheated with somebody else at their company. But they like stayed friends, aka he's just like kept her hanging on, you know, long calls, long lunches. Basically, he's a total fucking prick 
Yeah, he just wants to her to stay in love with him. He's very charming, though. And he looks exactly like Jude Law. They could be brothers. He's just like, oh, he was also in A Knight's Tale. Was he really? He wasn't old. If you've seen, well, you, you're not going to see that movie, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, so they're at the staff holiday party and the boss is like, hey, Iris, here's a tip for you that no other paper has. Jasper and the other co-worker are engaged. And she's just like absolutely fucking crushed. This is my favorite part of the movie. That Was it? That zoom in on Kate Winslet. Oh my God. It's devastating. She's devastating and stunning. Apparently they did that scene so many, they took so many takes of that scene that when they finally ended, Kate Winslet just like crumbled into a ball and started like being like, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. I mean, I can't imagine how emotionally draining that was for her to do because she just looks absolutely ruined. Oh, so like somebody hit her dog in front of her. Like it's just brutal. She's just crumbling. So we cut back to California and Amanda Cameron Diaz is throwing shoes at her boyfriend's head and accusing him of sleeping with his secretary. And it's clear that they've had issues for a while. She's a workaholic. They don't really have a sex life. She's throwing him out. And finally, he admits that he has been sleeping with his 24-year-old receptionist. And she punches him in the face. Twice. Twice. We learn that she cannot cry. Right. Which is a huge fucking deal throughout the rest of this movie. Despite her best efforts, she cannot cry. She's such a workaholic. She put an editing studio in her house, her sick house. And just like no big deal, Katherine Hahn and John Krasinski work for her in these super minor roles for these super minor actors. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? She's just like calling in all of her favors. I mean, there's everyone... There's so many A-list actors in this movie. Catherine Hahn is one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorite actors oh. ever. Um, also, my man, John Krasinski. Ooh. He's so funny. So, okay, so she makes movie trailers for a living, and she's, like, having a meltdown in front of her employees. She, like, needs to take a vacation because women get stressed. They're cell strength, and it makes them look haggard, but it doesn't happen to men. And John Krasinski's just like... Sorry. He does like a good gym, gym <laughs> he does look. He a great gym look. She stumbles onto this house swap website and she finds iris's cozy little cottage that looks perfect and idyllic this house swap program is crazy and it's a real thing i feel like i could never have the the trust that happens in this movie i would do it i would love to do that after the movie (laughs) aired they had to like put out a you know like a psa about this because so many people started to do it be careful like hey and like yeah. con people, you know, con other people. Also, like Iris didn't even know what Amanda's house That's looked what, like. Right. She just said it's bigger than yours. That's literally well, it. Well, I guess they're they're two people coming to a, a, a joining point from being broken and they're like, I just I wanna trust somebody. Yeah. Fuck it. Just get me out of here. Yeah, clearly, because we cut back to that cottage and Iris is just like walking around sobbing. She starts to like inhale some gas from the stove and literally the notification from Amanda like interrupts her from killing herself. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, you definitely can't kill yourself like that. But I think she was just like trying it out. She's like, yeah. And she's like, if it smells good enough, she would definitely have killed herself. She like run, if she was like closed in a a confined space, she would definitely. That's how Sylvia Plath. Plath killed herself. Right, she stuck her head in the, the oven. oven. Yeah, but I mean, she like runs to the window and opens it and is like, "Low point, low point." <laughs> so they get into this little AIM chat, and Iris is like, 
you can come here, but it's really only available for a house swap, basically like life swap. And Amanda's like, yeah, I'm in LA, let's do it. And Amanda's like, are there any men in your town? And Iris is like, zero. And she's like, great. Boom. How about tomorrow? Tomorrow? Great. For a split second, I thought this movie was going to start to be like really weird where the premise was that they actually swapped lives, (laughs) like that they would have to, you know, go out with their friends and go to their jobs and stuff. And I was like, this is really cool. Um, and then you're like, ah, oh, man. But no, it was still cool. But it, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a little more out there. That should be the next movie is like Life Swap. Well, I guess that's like every Freaky Friday movie ever. And also the Chappelle Show skit. But not when you're like act- actively like, hey, um, your life looks pretty cool. This is what my life is about. You want to switch for like a week. And then like people like sign a consent form and then like they get to live as the other Well, they did that with White Swap. Did you ever watch Wipe Swap? Swap? Yeah, basically that. Ugh, that looked horrible. Okay, I'm saying life, okay? People who have cool lives, not just one wife with a bunch of fucked up kids trading in for another fucked up kid and a ham sandwich of a husband. Like, that's not fun. That Watching that stuff makes me sad. Depressing as shit. It's literally people being like, oh, my family kind of sucks. Get me out of here. And then being like, this family sucks way more. Bring me back to the other family that sucks. At least that's the devil I know. Right. Yeah, grass is greener type of scenario. Miss me with that. <laughs> so these gals, like, next day, they're, gonna, they're getting on the planes and they're swapping houses for christmas for two weeks iris gets on the plane and gets an email from jasper being like heard you're going on vacation how do i reach you and she writes him back and was like jasper we both know i need to fall out of love with you would be great if you would let me try is he gonna do that absolutely not Mm -mm. he is literally a narcissist does not respect that wish at all amanda's on her flight trying to get some sleep we have this fun device that happens where like amanda has these little cutaway moments that play like movie trailers it's like amanda woods trying to find love but is a frigid bitch will she turn things around or is she stuck like this forever like every every few and it's the guy who does scene. all the trailers like it's a re- it like, really looks yeah. like it sounds like a trailer amanda woods had everything and threw it away and she's just like shut the fuck up like she's always like at odds with this voice that's such a relatable moment too because like if you do something enough like she's doing what what like 110 trailers a year like eventually you start kind of like putting your own life into the template of your own work it's how you train your brain which is how like anything that i think of in my life i'm like that would be a good comedy bit (laughs) or like it's healthy yeah (laughs) this trauma would be a good bit So Iris gets to LA and it's gorgeous. It's sunny. The house is incredible. It's this massive LA mansion with a pool and an insane kitchen and a room with a thousand DVDs, which was impressive in 2006. Uh, She's running around like a kid in a candy shop. Amanda gets to England and it's this like snowy little town and the car leaves her like 40 miles from the house. It's like, sorry, Mesa won't be able to turn the car around, (laughs) even though he literally does it, picks her up at her door later in the film yeah but. for how long that walk is there's definitely a place he could turn that car around. what she's like walking through an open field but we need to see her walk this walk so she's like lugging her huge suitcase and her heels for what seems like miles to this cottage and, and she needs to learn how to drive on the opposite side of the road without killing herself and others amanda really doesn't know how to handle any downtime clearly <laughs> 
I can relate. <laughs> she just gets wasted and screams it out to Mr. Brightside, for which Relatable. I have massive respect. Yeah. We've all been her in that moment. Let's go, white people. I fucking I feel like I need I need to do that like once a year. Yeah. We don't have much in white culture, but that is something that is... Thank you to the killers. Every single white person does, so... Back in LA, Miles shows up to Amanda's house because he works with her ex-boyfriend. He's picking up some of his stuff, and he meets Iris, and the wind is blowing. The Santa Ana winds is like a, also a big thematic thing. Like when the it, First of all, it blows some shit into her eyeball. This is uncomfy, this whole scene. But they have a little moment, and apparently like when the Santa Ana winds blow, all bets are off. Anything could happen. As he drives away, Iris sees this old man walking down the street with an aide, and we can tell the winds are about to blow some crazy shit her away. Some good stuff. An adventure. Cut back to England. Cameron Diaz is sleeping, and there's this banging on the door in the middle of the night. And wouldn't you know it, it's fucking Jude Law. But yeah, it turns out Graham is Iris's brother. When he gets pretty wasted in town, he usually crashes at her house. This is just peak Jude Law hotness this time period. And For sure. Of course, Amanda is feeling so out of her usual life that she's just like, I should probably have sex with this guy. To which I say, yes. Yes, you should. Their bands here are, are pretty great. Yeah, there's just chemistry right off the bat. They're having a little drink and she's just like kind of like babbling. She's like going through her mental process of like why this is a good idea and how it's fine because it wouldn't mean anything. But also just to warn him, her ex dropped some hints that she was bad at sex. Then it just stuck in her head. Fucked up. Yeah, you would never forget that ever. No, unless Jude Law said, hey, he was wrong. Everybody's different, you know? I don't know if there's any... As long as you're being like respectful and, you know, I don't know if bad at sex really exists. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Maybe, I'd like to think there's something for everyone. Sure. <laughs> Somebody's yuck is somebody else's yum. That's definitely true. Maybe she's just saying, I'm bad at sex for regular people. <laughs> if by chance you're like really strange, I'm really good at sex. Right, right. Or maybe that other guy is like really weird at sex. and Well, it depends on how many people she slept yeah. with. I don't know. We're shaped by our sexual experience. You know, it's not a one size fits all. It's definitely no. not a one size fits all. We are also getting the sense that Graham is kind of like a, a bit of a playboy party boy. That's like the vibe that we're getting. They do the deed and it's kind of awkward the next morning. And they're both just like, um, well. Yeah, I'm just in a complicated place. Like, don't worry, I'm not gonna fall in love with you. Like, it's probably better if we just like let this be what it was. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "But what if I wanted to call you?" And he's like, "If you want, I'm having dinner with some friends at a pub tonight." But Amanda's already like packed her bags to go back to the airport. They never see each other again. That's right. And that's the end of the movie. Rating some eight. <laughs> Wait, she's at the airport going through security, and of course, and then we have another movie trailer moment. Amanda Wood wasn't looking for love. (laughs) And that's enough to have her basically leave the airport again. She does a lot of running back and forth from travel. There's probably like uncut, uncut, there's probably like deleted scenes that we haven't seen of her like, well, now I'm running back from the airport. Now I'm running back to the airport. Yes. She packs her suitcase like 80 times. Very physically demanding. Even though she like does a full blown tango with Jim Carrey in the mask, which I would assume is more demanding, but maybe she was younger. She definitely was younger. 
Yeah. I mean, she, yeah, right. Not maybe like she was. <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> if we look at, the, you know, like common concepts of time and physics. I'm um, not a physicist, so I can't speak on that, but I she might have been younger. I guarantee she was younger. <laughs> but who knows? Anyway, Iris is driving around town and she sees the old man from the other day, but he's walking around with his walker and looks a little confused. So she stops to help him. He was lost. It turns out he was a really esteemed Hollywood writer. She like takes a peek inside his office and he's got like every award under the sun. And he's just so cute. Yeah, he's using like Oscars to like paper weights. Yeah. That's how much. He's so cute (laughs) and old and frail. And she invites him out for dinner. I would love love to do this just like go out with an old person for dinner hear all these old stories about hollywood and like the golden era of hollywood well one of my uh so great childhood friends uh still really good friend um matt star he like launched this thing where he uh was recreating annie hall with a bunch of people from a a senior citizens community um and so he befriended this guy and that they've become best friends and this is another guy who like knew Frank Sinatra. Like he just spends all of his time in learning about his life. And it's exactly oh the same God. scenario. It's so cool. I love yeah. it. Old people really hit my heartstrings. Old people just make me so emotional and they just want to tell their stories and I'm here for it. How, how are you watching uh, The Notebook? Like, are you able to even do the last part of it? I watched it one time. And then it was Ever. like, I can't do this again. You know what? with the notebook because everyone was like you're gonna fucking cry until you drown in your own tears and snot i was like (laughs) and then like i set the bar too high for my emotions and then i i didn't cry oh okay wow because that's exactly the thing like the two (laughs) old people at the end and the only thing worse than growing old is not growing old so (laughs) (laughs) let's sleeping dogs lie on that one i don't know (laughs) You think it'd be better to die young than grow old? I don't know. Just sometimes I'm like, uh, it depends on what your life is. <laughs> like I'd rather go out strong yeah. than wither and away into oblivion. That would also assume that I'm like strong right now, going out <laughs> strong. You're like, well, I'm already feeling pretty old. Yeah, uh, my life is awesome. I uh, if anybody wants to send some cards, words of support, we'll link Dan's address into <laughs> in the show notes. This has been brought to you by BetterHelp for the 30th time Hopefully. or what episode number are we on? One day. 31. So next morning, Amanda wakes up after a long night of drinking with Graham and he's been like getting calls from all these different women, Sophie and Olivia. And she's just like, oh, what a player. But he's like, you know what? We should get dressed and go into town and have lunch. And they do. They like spend the afternoon smooching and falling in love. She reveals to him that she has not cried since she's 15. And he reveals that he's a major weeper. This whole scene is very charming. It was enough to make me look up like whether Jude Law and Cameron Diaz ever went out. And I don't think so. Chemistry is chemistry, baby. Big on the chemistry. But I think he probably had like a family. Well, he did have family. He had the daughter. So, okay. But I think he like cheated on his wife or something. Classic Jude. Look at Look at Look that at guy. What are you going to do? Literally made for it, <laughs> for the lifestyle. And then so they spend the afternoon falling in love all over the place. And he like goes to come in. But she's kind of like, I just like, I don't want to do complicated right now. 
And it's like, Amanda Wood, she pushes every guy away every time. Will she ever change? <laughs> it's very much so like in The Sweetest Thing, too. She's like the same. That's true. You know, a lot of like inner, inner monologue moments come to life. And she's pushing guys away like in the same kind of. That's thing. true. She has. She always has commitment issues. Yeah, they don't really get into it in this movie. Like they don't let on so much, in my opinion, why she's sabotaging relationships she's very like like calculated and maybe that's what it is she talks about like the trauma of her parents divorce which i'm just like right that's true i don't feel like anybody gets to use that as a cop-out anymore because all of our parents are divorced except for you so you can go fuck yourself (laughs) i'll just fuck myself over here (laughs) miles comes by again and iris is having arthur and his buddies over for a little hanukkah party so miles comes in they're all drinking and having fun we see this little friendship starting to grow little note to the viewers Every Hanukkah party is like this. You might hear a lot that Hanukkah and and Jewish parties are not that fun. Oh, boy. We can really, we really know how to throw a party. I've never even heard the term Hanukkah party. It's not such a thing. It's really not a thing. No. Every Hanukkah gathering is not fun. So I don't want to mislead anyone. I've never, I've never been to a, a fun Jewish gathering. I'm, I am, my mother's Jewish. So like these are within my own family and like, it's just notoriously bad food. Yeah. I just think like Jews, like let's step it up. Like let's make it more fun for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like I'm willing to brainstorm with a bunch of Jews. If any Jews are listening, big time, let's get this. Come on. We're, we're losing ground. We are all like our second biggest oppressor. Right. Kanye and ourselves. And then Hitler. <laughs> and then Hitler, right. Um, I just feel like, let's do better. Yeah. So Amanda's like, what am I doing? I'm such a jerk for holding him at arm's distance. She just goes and shows up at his house unannounced. Terrible idea. And as soon as he opens the door, it is clear that he has another woman inside. Like, very obvious. And he does. In fact, he has two women inside. His tiny baby daughters, Sophie and Olivia. The girls who have been blowing up his phone. One thing that a reviewer brought up that I was like, oh, hey, that's true. They're like, how does like, why would their names come up on his phone? They're like five and eight years old. Like they definitely don't have their own cell oh. phones. So why would every time she sees his phone being like, oh, it's Sophie calling or. Maybe they do it <laughs> di- different in Surrey or wherever they are. Surrey. 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 Anyway. Uh, so yeah, all of a sudden it's like, boom. They're like, daddy. And she's like daddy and he's like yes i am daddy and i'm like yes you are (laughs) i am zaddy she is so uncomfortable this like for for half the time in this scene she's great she's playing this like father girlfriend great and then half the time impossible to watch like her trying to figure out it's his daughters obviously like just move on and and act natural i think it's the boundary of like i shouldn't be meeting these children because i'm just a rando this isn't gonna go anywhere like this was just supposed to be a fling but she doesn't she thinks the opposite of that because then when he says that later this scene she's like i don't want to introduce my daughters to these people that i'm not sure are going to stick around in their life she's like Oh, because we just had sex twice. So she's like on both sides of it. She has her defenses. Yeah. Like she like all she keeps being like, this isn't a thing. And then she's like, but it's not a thing for you either. You don't have to like. And this is also classic like behavior of anyone who's like had shitty partners of like they're so used to being held at arm's length that they're like, oh, no, I'm the one who could care less. Right. Right. And so it's like this weird back and forth. If anything, he's the one who keeps sort of taking steps forward to be like, actually, come hang out with me and my friends. Actually, I want to have lunch with you. Yeah. He starts out not great with the whole like 
uh, I'm not great at calling people back. I'm like, just stop talking, man. You're acting like a dickhead. Yeah. Well, and it's, they sort of explain this. So basically, she comes in and it's like, what the actual fuck? Are you married? Like, tell me right now. And he's like, no. Turns out he's a widower, which is heartbreaking. Fuck, <laughs> adorable yeah. kids. And so she stays for hot chocolate. And we see that he's actually a wonderful dad and perfect and does mr napkin head and hilarious love mr napkin head <laughs> oh my god the little girl's like this is so funny amanda you'll fall off your chair it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> that was ad-libbed was it yeah. it looked ad-libbed it was so cute so yeah they all go lie down in their little tent and they're like we never have grown-ups here that are girls i really like it me too and it's just like these little girls need some female influences in their lives but yeah they're just like so this is way past complicated and we sort of learn that like he sort of leads this double life because he doesn't really feel comfortable enough to bring you know just anybody into this world with his daughters and so like when he's with his kids he's playing daddy and then on his time on his own he's like trying to figure out how to date understandable that all of this stuff is understandable totally to so it, like it makes sense to me too that he's sort of like he's not even that good at it at the beginning where he's like i'm like very irresponsible with people's emotions like i don't know how to i have no follow-through like he's like trying to act like a player like that he thinks he should act like just to keep things sort of light um but he's not very good at it <laughs> No, he's not. He's just trying to protect his daughters, though, in my like yeah. from my view. So yeah, because they're so ready to fall in love with anyone they meet. You can't just set them up with somebody that's not going to stick it out. Yeah, Oof, so brutal. So they have this really beautiful sweet night with those girls. And next up, Iris goes over to Arthur's house with his mail. Turns out he's been ignoring these communications from basically like the Screen Actors Guild who are trying to set up this night celebrating him and his career and he just is like he's too embarrassed he doesn't want to look like he's 100 years old he thinks like only like 12 people would show up and she's like no this is a huge deal I'm going to help you exercise so that you can walk across that stage all by yourself without your walker this is if I was an editor I'm taking all this out why do we need this it's like Hollywood jerking itself off like they can't help but like put in this meta commentary about Hollywood in here if this movie is a half an hour too long this is where my knife starts <laughs> fair but I guess just because like Iris and Miles like the point where they connect is over this old man and like how amazing he is and helping him get to this event and we just I guess we needed a cute old person and also like she needed a friend like a confidant and I don't know yeah. I don't I don't hate I, it I could see all that stuff I mean I just if we're if we if we have to cut something this is what I'm cutting it's fluffy it's it's big time fluffy for sure and then I love this scene where Miles and Iris are at Blockbuster and he's picking up all the different movies and singing the scores <laughs> sir so I don't know why I think it's so funny but Jack Black just anytime he's like he's just he's the father of that oh my god that was ad-libbed too oh of course it was yeah he does the graduate and Dustin Hoffman's like right behind them he's like can't go anywhere that wasn't planned either they Dustin Hoffman was just around the set saw a bunch of cameras and then walked in he knew Nancy Myers and they were like well Let's just throw you throw you in there. They also removed all the instances of movies where Jack Black or Kate Winslet were in movies, like from the aisles. That makes sense. Because they sense. didn't want to break the reality. Like, you know the score from Titanic. 
Right. She's like, ew, horrible movie. <laughs> they also talk about Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. in here, who does the score for this movie. A lot of self-referential stuff in this movie. Yeah, big time. So we have this like super fun scene, but then Miles looks out the window and sees Maggie, his girlfriend that was supposed to be on location shooting a film, and she's like hand in hand with some hot actor, and he's just destroyed, this poor guy. He's destroyed, but like he's kind of doing the same thing. She's on a date. What is he on then? It's kind of a date. I mean, not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not a date because nothing romantic has happened. They're just like- it's definitely flirting though. In his way. Yeah. In his Kung Fu Panda way. But it's just, right. They go back and they're just like commiserating together. It's Christmas Eve. Kate Winslow does this great monologue about like her heartbreak and he's just like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> all right, actually, you need this drink more than me. I'm good. Let's make some Christmas fettuccine. Yeah, she's just going to pieces, talking about how shitty her life is. For the last three years. And he's like, oh, never mind. He just starts backing away slowly. Yeah. He's like, Ooh, actually, I'm fine. Fettuccine. Let's just eat some pasta. Oh. Now I want pasta. Me too. I was just thinking that. Shit. All right. Let's just call it a night. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) I'm going to sleep. I'm going to go eat some pasta. Miles scores a melody for Arthur that's meant to sound like him so that he can feel motivated to walk across the stage at this event. And then, so he's playing it for her. It's like super cute, snazzy. And then he's like, well, I also wrote one that sounds like you. I used only the good notes. And I have full goosies like even now talking about it it's such a beautiful melody and it's so sweet oh god my arms hurt they almost hurt so Hans Zimmer's just watching the screen he's like everyone thinks Jack Black wrote that fucking song (laughs) (laughs) I might be out of a job yeah yeah I just love them this whole this whole side of the movie I love so much then on the other side Graham and Amanda post coitus are trying to figure out like how they're going to make this work and Amanda's basically like this is doomed to fail and Graham is like I'm in love with you and they don't have an answer so they keep having sex as you do as classic. you do classic <laughs> classic let's push it off uh <laughs> no don't say it <laughs> You could say it to me and then just cut it out. No, because I'm going to say it to you and then you're going to leave it in the episode. <laughs> unless I edit the episode. It's up to you. Um, I was going to say, let's just push this off to rub one out. <laughs> That's good. It's basically what they good are stuff. doing. So Miles is out with Iris getting sushi and he gets a call from that evil actress Hewer, Maggie, who's like says she misses him. So he leaves dinner, uh, even though he like has Arthur's music and was meant to like go to this event. And he's like, I'll try to be back on time. Then Jasper shows up at Iris's front. Well, technically Amanda's, but to Iris's front door with her Christmas present. Fucking prick. And he's just like, I don't want right. to lose you. All this stuff like making her feel like he's come all this way to like give her the moment she's always been waiting for, which is like all she's wanted is for him to like come to his senses and realize she's the one. But it turns out he's still fucking engaged. And man, she gives a great speech. She snaps out of the spell. It's the thing that she needed. Yeah. She's like officially not in love with him anymore, throws him the fuck out. And she does this great scream. She's like, <laughs> she's so good in this. Oh, she's so fucking cute. So she's like, fuck it. She gets all dolled up. She runs to pick Arthur up for his big event. 
he gives her a corsage. It's so sweet. And they get there and it's like a little scary because like the lobby is empty. The second they open the theater doors, it's this packed theater. Everyone's giving him a standing ovation. I have goosebumps again. <laughs> I just can't with old people. Just seeing them like emotionally overwhelmed for like being appreciated. Love or like, that. Oh my God. <laughs> He's looking at these stairs. He has to climb up to the stage and he like looks really nervous. But suddenly the music comes on that Miles was meant to bring and it like fills him with confidence and he walks up the stairs all on his own and Miles comes running down the aisle. He ended things with Maggie. Arthur's like giving this great speech and Miles turns to Iris and is like, hey, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? She's like, I'll be back in England. He's like, I've never been to England. If I come over there, will you go out with me on New Year's Eve? And she leans in and gives him a smooch and is like, love to. I really thought they might still not end up together at the at this point. But then the smooch. There's not that much adversity on this side of things. No, it runs pretty smoothly. Even though, you know, like in the description, they're like, two women find relationships and to wonder if at the end of the trip they'll be ruined. Like, that's really not the case for this one at all. It's not necessarily, yeah. There's no talk of like, well, if we get to get like they're not they're not romantic at all until like finally they are and there's not even like a they're all fucking rich. <laughs> I don't yeah, think they why they give a shit about like yeah, sure, I'll fly to England whenever tomorrow. Yeah. Give a shit. So Amanda is getting into the car that now is able to pull up to the front of the house and is saying goodbye to Graham and they're just like, Okay, we'll just like see how it goes. No rules, no expectations, just trying to keep it easy breezy. She's in the back of the car and suddenly she starts crying. She's able to cry and she's like crying and laughing and like having this whole moment. And the driver, I love that they like keep it real enough. The driver keeps looking at her in the rearview mirror like, bitch, you are insane. Like, yeah, I would be calling the police. It's like someone's having a manic episode yeah. in the back and of my like, car. She's like, can you turn around? And he's like, oh, sorry. I'll never. I was like, you were just, you just drove in there and now you can't yeah. drive back in there. But anyway. Well, he he turns around, but then he's like, he has to go very slowly, and she's like, "Don't worry, I'll just like run." There is no fucking way that it's faster to run. Hell that. no, it's like forty miles through forty gates, and she's <laughs> running all the way there and all this shit. And she gets to the cottage, and of course, he's a weeper. He's weeping. He's weeping. She's like, I mean, why would I leave before New Year's Eve? At this point in the movie, I'm thinking, okay, they switch houses permanently. That's what I thought. I mean, yeah, we don't really see how things resolve, but we cut to New Year's Eve. Iris, Miles, Amanda, and Graham and his two daughters are all celebrating New Year's Eve together, dancing, loving on each other. It's cute as shit. I love it. And we don't have any answers about really how things are going to work out long term. Not important. Not important. We're living in the moment here. (laughs) It's all about the holiday. That's right. And that is the end of the film. It's a cute movie. It's a real cutie. Yeah. It's a feel-gooder. It definitely. Shall we rate and smate? Yeah, absolutely. You want to go first? This is probably my favorite holiday movie, if I'm honest. Really? Yes. It just covers so many bases for me. I guess the only base it doesn't cover is actual mm. magic. There's, There's no, no witches, witches in, in there. But that's what the movies for the rest of the year are for. That's a good point. Show me a Christmas movie with witches and I'll consider my Or my just write one. Jazz and Dan write a movie. Should have done that. Damn it. Jazz and Dan write a movie. Well, I was going to say The Christmas Witch, but Aubrey Plaza actually just wrote a book called The Christmas Witch. Love that bitch. Damn it. She's always one step ahead. I love her. Um, anyway, it just is like, it's just fucking feel good. 
And it's not so saccharine that it makes me want to gag. It's sweet and it's fun and it just, it touches my little heart. Mm-hmm. It's just easy. Like I have really have no reason to, to shit on it. I have no, nothing constructive or profound to say. That's okay. <laughs> you just like it. I don't even have any interesting points to make. Sometimes it's like, what, what did Roger Ebert say about Twilight? Sometimes they're, they're in love because they're in love and there's nothing more complicated about That's it. That's true. Hey, yeah, good callback. What if I wouldn't have? I would never have remembered that. <laughs> you know, also like what Roger Ebert said about this movie: crickets, absolutely nothing. <laughs> he did not write a single word. I wonder if he boycotted it or something happened. I don't know. Anywho, I will give this movie eight and a half, Mister Napkin Heads. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So I'd never seen this movie before. Um, I thought the cast did a great job. Whether I really liked them in the roles, eh, maybe not. I'm not sure. I think Cameron Diaz is magnetic. Like you cannot take your eyes off of her. She's a movie star. And so is Kate Winslet. And goddamn, Jude Law is just the fucking most handsome person I've ever seen. Maybe Jack Black, he's doing his thing. I, I Maybe it didn't work for me. It clearly worked for everyone else. But I thought it was cute. It was a cute movie. It went on a little too long, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to give this movie five out of 10 Lohan Franco trailers. Yes, definitely. Yes. That was a fun little Easter egg. Here we go. My last fun fact, she agreed to do that cameo because of the parent trap. She felt like she owed her one. Everyone owes Nancy Meyer something. Exactly. She is coming to collect. Oh man, collect her on me. Just, you need to have her get some dirt on you and then- What do I need to do? Leak some nudes? Yeah, to her Not specifically. Hard. So I guess just Not sending her hard. naked photos. <laughs> <laughs> if I, if anybody who's listening has a connect to Nancy Myers and wouldn't mind passing my nudes along, <laughs> let me know. Our inbox is going to be a problem. <laughs> Yikes. They're like, yeah, I definitely know Nancy Myers. <laughs> Great. I'll send them to anyone who asks nicely or pays a fair price. <laughs> or all of our Patreon uh, users. Our Patreon is just going to be my OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm just going to start recording these episodes naked. It's just Sorry, Dan. Like jazz socks in the mail <laughs> for all of our Patreon users. All my dirty undies. <laughs> I record it. <laughs> I, rec- <laughs> I recorded speed in these undies. Still damp. This is like a bucket of water. This is a, a brilliant business strategy. I'm <laughs> I not think so, lie. definitely. Don't think I wouldn't do worse for monies, okay? Right. Do Money's not great. overestimate my character. If you think Jazz is not going to get this bag, maybe you haven't been listening. Jazz is about to get this bag, okay? <laughs> By selling bags of my farts. Just kidding. That market's too saturated. <laughs> That's right. Too many girls are going to the hospital from that. If I'm honest, they really are. Really? Yeah, because they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> End of episode bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're like taking, they're like eating stuff that like makes them really gassy and all of this stuff. And they're like having such bad gas pains. They like have to go to the hospital. Why don't you just pretend to fart in a bag? Just call it a fart. Why do they actually, re- maybe they really care about their fans. Like how do they, they have to be able to smell the fart, I guess. What kind of bet, drop a sulfur pill in there or whatever. And then, I don't know, I should, some, I need to be a, like a consultant to these girls, I think. <laughs> now there's an industry proposition. <laughs> That's right. 
Let Dan Levine tell you. Want to fake your farts? <laughs> Call me, Dan Levine. Five 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 five. Levine and Levine. Dan Levine is dad. <laughs> Jeff Levine will help you fake your farts. Are you getting scammed on your fake farts and you want real? <laughs> that's the that's the that's the other like Dan that's Levine does this. Jeff Levine is like, have you been getting sold fake farts from my son, my wily son, Dan Levine? Let me help you get your money back. Wow, I'm so sick of being poor. This is gonna be awesome. <laughs> Some New Year's resolutions for real. 2023, my year. And, and your, my dad's, I guess. And everyone who's listening, your resolution should be to share this podcast with at least five friends you think would dig it because this next year, we are going to go balls to the wall. We are going to blow this podcast up. We're going to do all the things because we love it. We have so much fun. We have faith in it. And we love everyone who's listening. And we appreciate your love. It's been such an amazing year with you all. First year of the podcast in the bag. We could not have done it without your help. So Thank you so, so much. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Go buy somebody else's farts until you can buy ours. You know, support somebody this holiday season. Right. Uh, And until then, we will see you fart sniffers in 2023, baby. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.